Hi everyone, thanks so much for joining us today. Today's message is Craving the Sincere Milk of the Word, and it was given by Pastor Nick Davies during our Wednesday evening prayer service on October 21st, 2020. Our Wednesday evening prayer services are a great way to spend time in God's Word and in prayer for one another. If you have any requests you would like us to pray for, we would encourage you to come out at 645 each Wednesday. Our other services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Sunday at 7 p.m. If you have not yet subscribed, please do. When you do, you will receive a notification each time we post a new message and will always be up to date. We hope this encourages you in your relationship with Christ, and if it does, we would love to connect with you in person sometime. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get into it. Uh, Lord God, we just thank you for this evening. Lord, we just ask that you would be with Butch and DJ and Scott as they're not here this evening, Lord, that you just keep your hand of protection over them, help them to feel better. Lord God, we just ask for this time that uh, we have to spend in your word, Lord, that it would be productive and that we would grow in our faith in you. Uh, Lord, we also just ask as right now we have a wanna going on, Lord, if there's some child that does not know you as their Savior, Lord, that they would come to know you this evening through this ministry. Lord, we just ask for the workers that you would equip them and prepare them to share your word well and uh, be honoring and holy to you as they serve you. And Lord God, we just thank you for the opportunity to do that. We ask that you protect them from the things that are going around right now. And Lord God, that uh, your hand would just bless them and keep them as they go through this. Lord, we just love you and we ask uh, all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So the past couple weeks uh, that we have, that I've been speaking, I've been talking about God's word. Um, And we looked at it as a sword that God wields in our life and a sword that we can wield also to the world around us as our weapon of defense uh, and offense. We also looked at God's word as a light um, and how it is a light to the world around us and we are then to bear that light and be a light to the world around us. Tonight we're gonna be talking about God's word as food. I don't know about you guys, but I love food. I didn't get into this kind of shape liking bland chicken. I like the good stuff. Um, Not long ago, Nicole and I got to go to one of our favorite places to eat. Uh, It's called Fogo de Chão, it's a Brazilian steakhouse. Uh, We go once a year because it can be pretty expensive and we go at lunchtime so that we get a little bit of a discount. But it's the best meal we have all year. It's unforgettable. Uh, To give you a little idea of what it's like, you are served table side, especially right now with COVID going on. You don't really get to get up and get around. Uh, but they serve you table side where these gentlemen bring around big skewers of fire roasted sea salt sprinkled meat. And they say, would you like some of this? And you say, yes, I would. And they cut you off a piece, sizzling steak and uh, chicken legs and lamb chops, uh, pretty much anything you can imagine, top round, bottom round, sirloin, filet mignon, uh, and it's hot sizzling, and they have it on a skewer, it's just super cool. Um, but it's hands down some of the best food you could ever eat. It's wonderful, and they just keep coming. Typically what happens is, is you have a little card on your table that is green on one side and red on the other, and if you want them to just keep bringing you meat, you keep it on green. If you want them to stop, you just flip it over to red and they stop. It's pretty cool. 
it's worth every penny to me. Maybe to you, you would say that's not really worth it. Uh, but to me, it is. Now, this is contrasted with what Judah eats on a daily basis. This stuff. Any of you guys ever tasted this? No, you don't want to. It's Similac baby formula. Um, yeah, it's, it's gross. This stuff is, is nasty, um, especially whenever he's already drank it some and it comes back up, which happens far too frequently. Just to give you guys a taste of what my parenthood life is going like right now. Um, Unfortunately, I have tasted it. It's, it's absolutely awful. But when Judah's hungry, he is almost capable of taking me down to get to one of those bottles because he wants it so bad, and he wants it more than anything. Now, I love Fogo, which is the place that Nicole and I went to eat, but it's nothing like this kid craving milk. I don't knock people down to get to it. Considered it, but thankfully they just bring the meat to you. So I don't have to knock anybody down to get to it. Today we're going to look at how Judah, craving this milk, compares to God's Word. Uh, if you turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter 2, this might be a familiar passage to you. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, and all hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings, as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. In this passage, Peter is not talking to new Christians, or even making the case that what he is saying just applies to new Christians. What he is saying is that you and I, as believers, are to be like an infant that craves milk. Honest to goodness, Judah acts like he's starving every single time he sees even an empty bottle laying around. We have to hide his bottles. Because as soon as he sees a bottle, he starts going crazy. My grandmother babysat him today, and I set all the bottles out on the counter. And what I do? I went over and I grabbed a towel and draped them over the bottles so that as she carried him by, he wouldn't freak out and, run after, and want to run after these bottles. Because he knows when he sees them, that is how he gets fed. And he knows... But up until recently, with solids and introducing those to him, that if he was hungry, that was his only source of life. That was his only source of nourishment. Now, watching that happen and then reading this passage has certainly brought this passage to life for me. And I'm sure at some point in your life you have watched a child be hungry and reach out for a bottle or its mother. Now, I want to tell you a few things that this brings to my mind. And then I want to look at a familiar passage I've mentioned in the past few weeks through the lens of this passage. First, when an infant's eyes are fixed on getting the milk he craves, nothing else will distract him from getting it. Nothing else is going to curb that appetite that he has or she has for the milk. Like this, for you and I, when our eyes are on God's Word and we desire it, we should not and will not be distracted by things of this world. When we have our eyes fixed on the very thing that will give us good nourishment and life, 
We will not be distracted by things this world. Second, when an infant's eyes are, are fixed on getting the milk he craves, other activities come to a halt. Now, I've watched this happen with Judah over and over. He can be sitting content and playing and happy, and he just gets a glance of a bottle of milk, and everything comes to a halt. And I know it, because he starts yelling, I want this bottle now. When you spend time in God's Word, do you let other things distract you? It's easy to do. We have to train our brain to crave it. And when we fix our eyes on it, do other things stop? Do we put our phones down? Do we lay other things aside and we focus in on getting nourishment from God's Word? The third thing, when an infant's eyes are fixed on getting the milk he craves, I know it. I may not even be in the room. Nicole may be playing with Judah and watching him. But if Judah is hungry and he sees the milk that he's craving, I know it. I can hear it in another room. There's no doubt in my mind that kid needs a bottle now. When you and I are craving God's word, other people around you will notice it. Other people around you will see your desire for God's word and will see how it changes you. The fourth thing that's brought to my mind is when an infant's eyes are fixed on getting the milk he craves and he gets it, he's satisfied. Nothing else is going to satisfy him but getting the milk that he's craving. When you and I crave the word of God and we read it and soak it in, we are satisfied like nothing else is going to be able to satisfy those deepest needs. The fifth thing is when an infant's eyes are fixed on getting the milk he craves and he gets, gets it, his nourishment needs are actually met. Now, this past weekend, he's been allowed to start trying table foods. Um, and one of my favorite desserts is a Boston cream donut or a Boston cream cake. So I thought, I wonder what he would think of this. So I bit into a donut, and I got a little bit of the filling out. I said, here, try this. And he loved it, which made me happy, because I was like, oh, we have this in, sim in, in, in common. But as I continued to eat it, he got mad, because he wanted the rest of it, and I had it instead. But that wouldn't have provided the nourishment he needed. It might have filled this craving that he had for a little while, it wouldn't have been healthy for him. It wouldn't have met the needs that he really had that he knows he could truly find in his milk. You and I, when we look at God's word and we read it and we soak it in, we get the nourishment that our soul needs. Our, our soul's needs are met. Nothing else is as complete like God's word. The sixth and the last thing that I was brought to mind whenever I read this is when an infant's eyes are fixed on getting the milk he craves and he gets it, he grows. Without it, he faints or grows weary. When you read and consume God's word, you will grow. When you neglect it, you will spiritually grow weak. You'll go in the opposite direction without it. Just like a child needs milk, you and I need God's word to grow. Now, with that imagery in mind, let me remind you of a familiar passage, probably just a few pages over in your Bibles, in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, uh, we find a familiar verse about God's Word. It says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto good works. In this passage, we are told of four things that Scripture is profitable for. Doctrine, or knowledge of God and of all truth that He reveals to us in His Word. Reproof, or to kind of put it in layman's terms, let me tell you what you did wrong. Correction, or let me tell you how to do it right. And instruction in righteousness, which describes a system of discipline in Scripture that leads to a holy lifestyle. It's teaching us to practice those things that we ought to be doing daily, constantly, every day, praying, reading God's Word. Um, Not necessarily every day, but making it a habit in your prayer life, fasting, things like that. So I want to go down through these four things, looking through the lens of, are you craving this like an infant craves milk? The first thing is doctrine. It is profitable for doctrine. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Knowledge of God, learning about Him, all truth. Do you crave to be taught the Word of God? Do you seek out to learn from it? Do you have your foundational understanding of the world from the pages of this God-written book? In the book of Acts, we see a group of people that searched out the Scriptures to find truth. In Acts 17, 11, it says these men or these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and they searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. They took what message they heard about the gospel and they compared it to what scripture already had said and they searched them daily. Doctrine is not just philosophical arguments and deep discussions on ecclesiology or eschatology. It's foundational truth for everyday use. Doctrine is not just something for academia. It's for you and I every single day. Paul David Tripp mentioned it in a devotion I read this week where he said, the purpose of theology is not knowledge, but holiness. His point being that as we grow in knowing more about God and the truths that he shares with us in this book, we should grow in holiness to be more like him him. That's why Paul lists four individual, um, that's why while Paul lists four individual things scripture is useful for, they're inseparable from one another. Doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness, they are connected to one another. They're not just individually used. One leads to another and so on. So I ask again, under doctrine, do you crave to be taught from the word of God like an infant craves milk? The second thing that Scripture is useful for is reproof, or let me tell you what you did wrong. Do you crave to be told where you are sinning in your life? Do you crave to know the sinfulness of your own heart? I believe we could all use a little more of this desire. I know I can. Again, in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, verse 37, we see a crowd's response to the sharing of Scripture, and I want to read that really quick. It says, this, Acts 2, verse 37. It says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, 
And they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? As we spoke about a few weeks ago, the Word of God is like a sword. And when it is wielded by God, it pierces our hearts. Do we crave that? Do we crave to be pierced by the Word of God daily? I ask again, do you crave to be pierced by the convicting, revealing Word of God in the same way that a child craves milk? Remember, as I watched you today by day, it's almost like the desire grows in him to get that bottle. Is that the way you are with the Word of God? The third thing the Scripture is useful for, correction. Or let me tell you how to do it right. Many times we want this without having the previous correction of wrongdoing. Many times we say, oh, I want to do what's right, but we really don't want to remove the sin that's in our own hearts. However, to get here, you can't continue acting in the flesh. If you want to change your behavior, part of that is removing what is wrong in your life. Do you crave to be shown what is right? Do you crave to remove the sin behavior in your life and replace it with what God says is holy and honoring to him? Psalm 51, 7 says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. The desire is to be purged. Do you have that desire? In the midst of your correction, remember that it is God that both condemns us and justifies us. While he says and points out through his word what is wrong, he also tells us in his word that he gives us a redeemer to save us from that very sin. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12 is a reminder that we are disciplined by our loving God. It says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son, in whom he delights. I ask again, do you crave correction from God's word like an infant craves milk? And the last and fourth thing that Paul says is, Scripture is... Um, profitable for is instruction in righteousness, or uh, the Greek behind that means a disciplined Christian life. Do you crave a disciplined life? I know this is an area where I try to uh, be particularly cautious, but I certainly have a lot of growing to do. Do you crave to live a life where you will have to say no? to the things your flesh desires, to protect your Christian character, and to protect how you reflect Jesus to the world around you? Do you crave to be an example of Jesus to the world around you? Jesus was a very disciplined, disciplined to the point where he was sinless. Now, certainly he was God in the flesh, and we are fallen, sinful creatures. We can't do that, but we strive for it. We strive to be like him and honor him in everything we say and do. Do you crave self-assessment up against the word of God? Do you ask yourself on a daily basis, what can I do better? What can I do to honor him better? I'm reminded of an example Paul sets for us uh, in this in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, where he says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. The discipline of the Christian life is difficult, but worthwhile. Do you crave the disciplined Christian life like an infant craves milk? 
So tonight I've spent a lot of our time asking questions, and I hope it has given you an opportunity to reflect on your heart's desires. I know it has for me. Is it for God? Is it against God? Where are my heart's desires? Am I craving Him, or am I longing for things of this world? That remind you of our core passage in 1 Peter. I want to read it again. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, all evil speakings, as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. This book of 1 Peter was written to those who were in the midst of some kind of trials, as is talked about um, in the previous chapter, verse 6 of chapter 1. And in so facing these things, Peter reminds his audience, while you face these trials, crave God's word. It's really easy in this life whenever um, things stop going your way or when trials come. Uh, I know for me personally, I'm a stress eater. I talk about uh, going to Fogo and eating this wonderful food. Food can be a temptation for me. I have to be careful. And unfortunately, I give in more than I should. But trials start coming. I start craving Fogo. I start craving X, Y, Z, something good. Do you crave God's word in those moments is the question for us today. So here is my reminder for us tonight. While we face uncertain times, and as we trudge on through this life and face trial after trial, because whether or not it's the trials of COVID or just the trials of family drama, uh, we're going to face them, unfortunately. But we know we have Jesus by our side, and that is the most comforting thing. May our struggles of this life cause us to crave God's word instead of things of this world. May the things we face today test our faith and prove that our desire is for him and not the things of this world. For whether we have much or we have little, or we have health or we have sickness, we will all stand before him someday and give an account. Will we be able to say, I craved the sincere milk of the word? Will we be able to say, when trials came my way, I focused on Jesus? Let's close in a word of prayer, and then we will have our prayer time this evening. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that from it we can learn more about you. Lord, we thank you that from it we know that Jesus came, died in our place so that we might have life. Lord, may we live that life honoring to you. Lord, may we get into your word. Lord, I know I need to get into your word more frequently. Lord, it, there, nothing should come in front of that. Lord, may people know that we love you by how we speak of your word. Lord, may your word be on our lips. May it come to our minds in times of trouble, in times of need, and in times where we are facing trials, Lord, may we run to you. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We ask that this prayer time be honoring to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. That's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If it has, please give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you listen on and share it with a friend so others might be encouraged as well. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior and would like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 
724-5876. We would love nothing more than to hear from you. We hope to see you soon, and until next time, stay faithful.